Welcome to Share the Love Stories with me, the Reverend Amelia Arthur. Share the Love Stories is a podcast about sharing the love because love is the foundation of the gospel. Love for God, love for neighbor, love for self, love for family and friends and all of creation. This podcast is a place for people to share their stories about what love means, and I hope that it will bring you joy. Today, I'll be talking to the Reverend Tom Cook, rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Edina, Minnesota, and also my boss. We'll be finishing up our conversation about leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic and what it means to serve a faith community in this new and extraordinary time in the life of the church. As we pick back up on our conversation from episode four, Tom and I have just been discussing the way our congregation responded to the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent protests and riots that happened throughout the Twin Cities in late May and early June. We were talking about the way that our people responded and saying that if this year hasn't led folks to live into their baptismal covenant to seek and serve Christ in all persons, then we wonder if any time would. Impressed by the people in our congregation and the way that they've not only asked those questions, but continued to show up. And, and just the trickle down effect of that, even into small group interactions. You know, when we do the live piece on Sunday and we break people into breakout groups, you know, I notice that people, what people are asking each other is, you know, what do you need? Kind of, you know, can I, can I do anything for you? There was a breakout group that I was a part of maybe two weeks before Thanksgiving. And one of the people in that group was a person who's single, who wasn't going to have family come. And both other couples in our breakout group said, you know, will you be eating? Can we bring you food? And, and even something like that, I think even being, uh, I think having the opportunity to ask that sort of question is something that I think could have only arisen maybe out of what, what has been born anew because of COVID, you know, as in, I don't know that those kind of conversations would actually have been happening if we were standing around, you know, on Christ the King Sunday in the commons room having coffee. Yeah, maybe not, right, maybe not. It, it certainly has changed the, um, it's changed the environment in which we're relating to one another. And if nothing else, it's heightened, heightened that sensitivity to each other's needs. You know, like you said before, it's hard to talk about a silver lining, right, around COVID because it's devastating in a lot of people's lives. But again, one of the things that we try to do as church also is seek for those places that God is working to make whole what has been broken. I mean, we talk about being a faith of resurrection. Well, we're looking for it now, but I, I am so, um, Again, it's, it's humbling and saddening to think about what's happening in our country and how so many people are suffering with this disease. At the very least, I do hope that we're doing our part to take what we can and make good with it as best we can. Yeah. And then, and then love and care for people who are grieving because grieving is a huge part of it. You know, that, that happens a lot of levels, right? There are those who are engaged day by day directly with the pandemic who are grieving. There are those whose lives have been uprooted or broken by the social unrest that we've been experiencing, and they are grieving. There are those of us who, if nothing more than we're unable to participate with one another like we do on a Sunday, are grieving. 
But again, grieving is not something that has to take place in the absence of love and care. Right. So that's part of it too. I think part of the, the effort on the part of the staff to pr- provide good worship experiences, um, to have things going on. You know, when, when people haven't been able to be together, the staff has come up with ways to do things outdoors that people can drive by and see. We, we handed out Halloween candy, you know, uh, to kids that were in their costumes coming by the church with their parents. There are things outdoors right now marking the Advent season at the church. I mean, even in the midst of a time of trial and grief, we go about that work of helping people live faithful and full lives. And that's what we're supposed to do. I've said it before that this is not the first time the church has lived in a time of of distress or pandemic or any of that. We're built for this. But the congregation itself is responding in the way that I would hope. And that gives me a lot of encouragement that we will make our way through this time and we'll grieve with those that are grieving and we can be joyful with those that are joyful and we'll come back together again. So that's a shared, that's a shared, that's shared community right there. Even if we're not really in each other's presence. I know that people are out there thinking about and praying for you and for me, just Mm -hmm. as we are doing for them. And that's that helps hold me together in the middle of all this stuff. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, you just said, you know, and we'll make a way and we will, you know, come back together. So there's been a lot of conversation, I think, with people uh, wondering about what this means for church going forward. You know, a lot of the kind of analogies have been, you know, that this is a birthing process and that maybe even this is just speeding up a timeline that kind of the institutional church has been on for the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years in terms of kind of Christendom, right? (laughs) And um, so what do you think, what do you think this looks like going forward? What do you think, what do you think, what do you think uh, church means uh, that's the same? What do you think church, when we say church, like how might, how might we think of that differently? Yeah, it's kind of interesting when I think about it. It's like the same, but different. Um, you know, St. Stephen's Church was founded as, as a neighborhood church. You know, it was built in a time and in a place where people could walk, they could be there, it could be a center of kind of a, a social expression as well as a religious one. And I don't want that piece to change. But part of what we've learned during COVID is that we're able to spread that out a little bit. And that being um, being in one physical place is not the only way that we could be church. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to have families participating in and leading worship from where they are or where they live has just been so um, uplifting that I don't want us to lose that. So I think what you see going forward is St. Stephen's mm-hmm. Church continuing to be that sort of traditional neighborhood place of gathering for worship and for fellowship and for um, friendship. But then we still use virtual means to spread that out. You know, we've always had the circumstance where there are people who either because of illness or because they've moved away, for some reason, they've not been able to be there and participate. Well, doing things virtually has really opened the door to allow for that to happen. So we we maintain um, relationships now with people who are living in different parts of the country, uh, people who um, people who aren't nearby are recording things for our services. I don't think we lose that. I think we keep some element of that. And how we do that, that's something we're working on, thinking about now. But being able to um, share worship in a video format 
has allowed us to reach out to people in ways that we never had before. And that's something I think we need to keep. It also has provided a sort of archive, right? So if folks aren't able to be at worship on this Sunday morning, I just had a conversation with a member of our church this morning who said on Mondays, she goes and watches the services because she can't do it on Sunday. Oh, wow. But she's just able to go on on Monday. Downside there is she misses the live piece. The upside, though, is she connects with the community through that shared worship, and she sees all these various members of the church participating. Mm. So I think moving forward, we remain principally that, that gathering place in community, but we use these technologies and these experiences then to provide that outwardly, to share it beyond ourselves. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see St. Stephen's Church becoming a TV church, right? <laughs> you don't want to be do. a televangelist. <laughs> But hey, what we can use of the technologies that let us share what we do as a neighborhood church and bring people into that fold, I, I think that's where we're that's where we will go, you know. So we'll use some of these technologies to to let people stay connected wherever wherever they might be um, going forward. It'll be something new, um, but it won't be it won't be unfamiliar. Right. So yeah. Like and we are getting some practice right now, you know? Yeah. COVID has given us time to practice. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think of, um, you know, my family and I moved a year and a half ago, right? Uh, just to a different part of St. Paul. Yeah. So we still live in the same city. The kids still go to the same schools. So a lot of our life was still familiar, but we were in this totally new house that we had to learn how to be family in that place. Um, and I think, the house will look different, right? You know, that, you know, the church might have cameras so we can live stream. The church right. might have people patched in to do a reading from somewhere, you know, and, and that difference at that time will feel, will feel good. Right. And it'll feel authentic and it'll feel like this is the way we were supposed to be in community. Yeah. I think I, one of the conversations I've had several times with people who are members of St. Stephen's church, but also people in other churches is gosh, you know, after all this is said and done, we love getting up in the morning, just wearing our bathrobes and drinking coffee and watching church. I don't know if anybody's ever going to go back. You know? <laughs> well, certain, think, certainly we might have to have a sign that says, you know, please have a lid on your coffee cup as you bring it into church. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to bring your coffee in with you. But you know what? I think sometimes I, I have heard from so many people who actually plug into church more frequently because they're able to do so from home. Right. So the thing is that what I think we have to avoid, right, is this notion or idea that church is a spectator sport, right? Church is not just something you watch, and it's not just something you watch so that you gain some sort of personal edification. That's a great part of it, right, for people to be uplifted. And frankly, sometimes I think it must be wonderful to wake up on a Sunday morning and just pick up your coffee and be able to sit down and not rush or go anywhere or anything and connect with your community. I think that's lovely. But at the same time, I think that should be encouraging people to find ways to engage personally in other ways too, right? right so when COVID is no longer requiring that we're apart, my hope is that a lot of those experiences and the things that people have enjoyed in our virtual services also call them to come together and be with folks. Right. But, but that ability to be, um, you know, visiting your grandchildren in Arizona and still turn on YouTube and sit down and have worship with the St. Stephen's community 
and then maybe patch in via live Zoom to talk to one another. Hey, it could be interesting, right? We may have 40 people in our uh, in our commons room, you know, that are enjoying coffee, and we have some computer screens down there where people can patch in from wherever they are and converse with one another. We've actually done that, Amelia. I mean, we did that with some of our um, leadership meetings before the pandemic, where we had folks out of town and we set up computers and I'd walk over there and hear a couple members of our church talking to one another via computer when one of them's in Arizona and the other one's standing right there in the commons room. So yeah, I think to me, it, it feels like the things we're learning in COVID can add to what we're able to be as a church not take away from it. And I'm not terribly concerned that everybody will suddenly become virtual only. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Right. And I think, I think hopefully, you know, I mean, when I think of my memories of what, what did church mean to me or how did I experience love from church? You know, it was being known and feeling that sense of belonging and that my presence mattered. Right. And, and I think that in, a very almost like opposite way of what we might've thought before COVID, I think continuing and bringing forward those, you know, opportunities and the ability for people who can't physically gather to, to really feel like they belong and they matter and their presence is as important as ours, you know, that absolutely that actually, I think has this, this really, really kind of amazing potential to, to have people feel more invested in their identity as, you know, I'm a mom, I'm a, a wife, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, whatever. And I'm a Christian and I'm an Episcopalian and I belong to this church, even if I can't make it there all the time. And, well, absolutely. It's like, you know, I belong to my family, though I see them far more rarely than I'd like to. <laughs> And I look at the, yeah, and I look at the church in that that way as well. We are a kind of extended family of faith. And two things I think about that have been so magnificent using virtual means. One is we've had we've had families within the church be able to come online either through the recorded worship or through live Zoom and introduce their infant children to the to the community that's gathered there when there's no way they were going to be at church that day, right? Right. But we're, we've met these newest members of, of Christ's family. And the other thing I think about is over the course of the summer, we gathered with many families to baptize children in the creek. And even outside of COVID times, only a certain number of people are able to come and see that. Not everybody can be there um, every time we hold a baptism. And of course, this summer, we were very limited in how many people we could actually have present. But we used the opportunity to video record, to take photographs, and then we were able to share those things with the broader community um, via the internet. So that even if you couldn't be at this baptism, you could see something of it and experience something of it. So again, that's something I think that we don't ever want to give away. Even when we're back gathering as we normally might, having some sort of video record of that that we can share with a community means that people can participate uh, that may not have been able to do so before. So yeah, it, the, the extended family is out there. I, I think it helps us pay attention. You know, can I just, I, again, I want to raise something though that I'm really um, cognizant of, and that is that this is not a solution for everybody, right? The, the video stuff is not, um, is not 
going to be everybody's way, which is why I think it's so important to get past COVID, get the doors open yeah. in a safe way and begin to invite people into the church. And I know there, I know there are folks that are frustrated within community because we're not gathering. Um, I know that also because I feel it. But I also feel that it's been a responsible move on the part of the church to say, how do we help bear each other's burdens? How do we help keep each other as healthy and safe as possible? And one way we've done that is by not gathering in large groups. And we're still in that place right now with COVID. So I look forward to the day when we get that out of the way so we can welcome people back in for whom some of the virtual stuff is not necessarily meeting their needs or desires, but that'll come, that'll come. So like I said, I hope in the end, what we, we have is both and, you know, that, that what we've learned adds to our ability to be a broader church instead of, okay, well, we're done with that. We'll just, now we'll go back to the other, but that we actually combine the two. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it is beautiful and I think it will continue to be beautiful as we pivot and pivot and, and as we, as we keep going and keep, being the church and building the kingdom. Any, um, any final words? Yeah. You, share the you, love you, stories, right? Well, I was so. going to say, you asked, you, you asked me about that, you sharing the love stories. And it made me think about this. You, you and I as clergy, I've, I've been around people purportedly in love for a long time, right? Doing marriages and things like that. And one of the things that I've often thought about, we can sometimes, um, talk about marriage or talk about love is something that we're in, you know, we're in love. Um, you know, it's something that happens to us. Um, we fall in love, but one of the things I've really appreciated, um, in the marriage rights in the Episcopal church, uh, early on, you're, you're asked some questions, you know, will, will you do these things? Will you promise to be, um, a partner to this person, you know, right. And I've always been taken by the fact that the response that a person gives to those questions is I will. Hmm. In, in other words, love is not just something that we fall into. Love is an act of will. Yes. Something that we choose to do. So as I thought about this conversation, I thought about, the life of St. Stephen's church, what I've seen is a church living into that understanding that love is a choice. Um, Love is something that we will to do and be, and that's what people are doing. Um, When I I get those phone calls from folks saying, hey, I want to write some notes to some people so that they know that they're still loved and cared for, that 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 is an act of loving will. So I just am appreciative of the fact that people are deciding to live in love with each other. Um, and I appreciate that just very, very deeply. I think that's what's, that's what's keeping me going. And I think it's a lot of what's keeping this church going. And I think it's exactly the sort of thing that, that Jesus would look at and say, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think it, you know, to take it to the Bible, Mm -hmm. I think this experience of being a priest during COVID and watching our community authentically 
pivot towards love at every, I think at every possible opportunity that we've had over the last 10 months. I think it makes me understand Paul's writings in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like we're actually maybe living a lot more like the first communities of Christians were living, where it really was about choosing, willing to love one another and then to love the world. And it wasn't about a magnificent building and it wasn't about the trappings, you know, and, and not that we need, we don't need to lose that. I think we will carry that forward, but, but I think that our identity, I think there's an identity shift that is happening, that it's like, we are the people that make the church rather than the church just being the building and the tradition. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can look and say that, you know, Jesus was an example for us and how to live in this fashion, but he's not solely the example. I mean, he also asked us to do it. I mean, he's, he's, he's the one we follow. So okay. I think in, in times of adversity, we're making choices about what it is we're going to do and what it is we're going to be. And we're making choices of will. And my encouragement comes from the fact that I've seen a community decide that we're going to be faithful. We're going to reach out to people. We're going to care for one another as best we can. Like I said, I know there's frustration. Also, there's the inability to see each other in a way that we want to see it. But COVID COVID will be with us for a time and not forever. Right. But there'll be other challenges that come before us. Never will there be a time in the life of our church when we should take for granted that we've been brought together with each other. Absolutely. So that to me is the love story that shows up in the midst of this. And it can encompass everything from our greatest joys and creativity to our lowest grief. You know, we've had people die in the midst of this time. And that's something I just cringed about, you know, that people would come to the end of their lives at a time where they can't be with their families and their friends in the ways that they want to be. And yet working with families, we found ways to honor the dead, to lift people up, to love them. Grief happens in the midst of love too, as well as joy. Yeah. We will make our way through this by the grace of God. And then we'll confront our next challenges And my hope is all along the way that we are not failing to stop and count our blessings in the midst of everything that's going on. Absolutely. And caring for people who honestly have been broken. Yeah. Sharing what we have with them too. So there's totally room uh, for a lot of love right now. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being with us. After we wrapped up our recording, Tom and I kept talking for a minute, and we made one more point that I wanted to make sure we acknowledged on this podcast. The entire conversation that we've just had was an incredible conversation of privilege. We understand and know for certain that there is much suffering and grief in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and in the subsequent things that have gone on in our cities and in our nation this summer and into this fall. We wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that the joy of a life in ministry in these uncertain and unprecedented times is indeed a joy of privilege. 
and we are incredibly thankful for our particular faith community and the many ways it has responded in love as we have faced this challenging time together. We wanted to make sure you knew that we acknowledged this truth, that suffering is real, that we live in the midst of grief, and that it is our job and joy as Christians to find hope in the midst of it all. Well, that's it for this episode of Share the Love Stories podcast. Special thanks to my guest, the Reverend Tom Cook, for sharing with us what leadership in a faith community during this year of pandemic has been like and the ways in which love is such a part of his experience. This is Share the Love Stories podcast with me, the Reverend Amelia Arthur, filmed at home in St. Paul, Minnesota. Until next time, take care and keep sharing the love.